You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. Hello, hello. Knock, knock, everybody. I don't like talking this loud. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have to. Fine. I feel like I'm screaming. You are screaming. Can you quiet down? No, I can't. I can't project my voice. Hello. 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 How's your voice sound this morning? <laughs> it sounds pretty good. I don't feel like I don't have a big morning Are you well-rested? I am well-rested. Good. Even though I woke up at like 5, 15 a.m. while I was gone. Yeah. First of all, Canada is crazy. The okay, sun... just so you know, Grace went to Canada. <laughs> went to Canada. The sun sets at like 11. What so, do you mean? Where, what part of Canada were you in? I was in uh, Alberta, Calgary. I see. Banff, to be specific. but Okay, we yeah. get it. <laughs> uh, kind of a big deal. But the sun would set. First of all, I'd be, I'm going to bed at like 9.30, mm-hmm. and it would be like light outside, so I'd like close the curtain. Everyone was going to bed that early, though. And then at like 5.15 in the morning, my body would just wake up, and I'm like, well, I'm already up. I might as well, because like a lot of the bigger, more like popular places there get filled up really quick. So it's like you should just get there early so you can get a yeah. parking spot and stuff. Right. So, which is totally not like me to go to bed early and wake up early. But no, she's usually a, like a midnight, yeah. one o'clock kind of girl. And then I wake up at like I try. Were you to... taking your melatonin while you were there? I wasn't. I was melatonin free. Wow. I was totally sober. <laughs> Most of the time. Well, she's back. We're here. That's why we're recording a a week late, basically. <laughs> a week late. We're going up on Tuesday instead of Monday. Yeah. I was like, no one's gonna care, but one person has cared. Yeah, they texted us and said, Where the frig is the episode? I mean, she is our friend, but yeah, but she, she still loves cared. Us. Yeah. Um but we're here. Yeah, so full disclosure, I did not do I didn't do the puzzles this week, but Chelsea <gasps> sent me pictures of them and I've I aided and abetted them. her <laughs> her Well, I wasn't getting the New York Times while I was in my hostel. Okay, fine. I guess we can accept that. I did have to do the puzzles by myself this week. Okay, because I have uh, do we want to hits and shits. Well, I th- we have to hop into Corrections Corner first, okay? Because while you you don't understand, but while you were gone, it was a little bit of a mess here. Oh, yeah. What happened? Okay. Well. Do we make, made, make a mistake? Yes, we made a couple of mistakes. Oh, great. So, Corrections Corner. We're not perfect, okay? Um, yeah. Can you just stop holding, like, this crazy standard above our heads? <laughs> like, we're just trying to live our lives. Hashtag millennials. Okay. So I repeatedly said it was Jonah who was in the stomach of the whale, like, multiple times. It? It's Oh, no, no, no. I kept saying it was Job. It's Jonah. Jonah. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't catch that either, but I do know it's Jonah. Yeah. Because I, I watched so. that Veggie Tales episode. Yeah. Well, no. Well, I said Job oh. a million times, and I've had multiple people be like, um, it's Jonah. And all I'm right. Like, all oh. you freaking Bible nerds. Yeah, really. I got the J right, for Christ's sake. <laughs> At least I didn't call, call him Jesus, that kind of J. Yeah. Anyway. You know Jesus and the whale. <laughs> okay. And then two were for you. One was for you. What? <laughs> so our editor, who also works in the waterway industry, who also happens to be my boyfriend, was really frustrated that you called the Great Lakes muddy and gross. No. <laughs> I actually was talking to someone about the Great Lakes while I was on my trip. Were you? About someone who uh, scuba dived in them. And I said that. He's like, no, it's not muddy. Yeah. No, so like, well. apparently they are only muddy or, like, gross when it's really, really choppy and, like, all the sand churns up from the bottom. But because some of them are so deep, it, like, doesn't matter. Also, they're so clear that they, like, send flyover planes, apparently, <laughs> to, like, look down to the depths and look at shipwrecks and stuff like that. So is that why Matt's not talking to me anymore? Yeah, he won't <laughs> answer her texts anymore. Um, the all last right. one was for me. So I said that the Eastland disaster happened on Lake Michigan. It did not. It happened on the Chicago River. <gasps> Is stuff that Matt caught? 
Yeah. He's an expert on that. Yeah, because I told you he Lake works Michigan. in the waterway yeah. industry. I told everybody this. Everybody laughed at me. No one laughed at you. <laughs> <laughs> they might as well have. Um, okay, and then the last thing, which, well, I'm going to say that this is, like, a corrections corner, but it also, like, catty corners into a hits and shits okay. thing. Um, you know, like, they're adjacent to each other. All so. Right. <laughs> so while you were gone... The constructor of the crossword puzzle, Will Nettiger, wrote to us on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Right. Told me. So, obviously, I went into, like, a manic rage on our last episode about the Clue Rices being chops, finally. You're lucky I ate, limited you to two minutes of that. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if I hadn't. It would have been real awkward. <laughs> well, I, I, I did go into a manic rage, and I, I blamed the constructors for the Clue, which, I mean, we should have known was not the right thing to do, because obviously all clues go Don't through. drag me into this. Well... <laughs> Well, okay. We do talk about how the clues are edited, you know, by... Yeah. We know it's Will Shorts. We know. It's the other Will. The Will who must not be named. Shorts. That's the real last name. No, he's such a... That's not his real last name. No, I don't think that's his real last name. He might have stylized it. It's a weird one to pick. Yeah. I'd be Grace Pants. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so uh, Will wrote to us and, um, like said that he agreed that the clue made no sense in their submitted clue was makes food fine, which I talked to my brother, the chef, and my boss and her husband, who was also like really upset about this clue. <laughs> and um, they all agreed that that's a much better clue. So thanks for writing, Will. We appreciate you. And we're also glad that you listened to the podcast, even yeah. though, and you made it through my manic rage about your clue. So thank <laughs> I you. I know. He was probably like self-conscious about it. He's like, oh, a podcast about the crossword? Oh, they're mentioning mine. And then you like totally shit on it. <laughs> it was just that one. We liked that crossword. Yeah. That no. That clue is bad. Yeah. Um, all right. I have a hits and shits of something. Okay. Kind of. Yeah. So I think, I'm pretty sure this was from The New Yorker. It was called Musical Numbers by Oh, Will. no, no, no. That's, that's, okay. So listen to this, Will. I, after you wrote to us, I found your crosswords on your website, and so I decided to do a couple of them, and one of them I did at work with a couple people, and um, this is what Grace is looking at. Yeah, so it's called Musical Numbers, and one of the clues or questions that we actually posted on our Instagram, you posted. I did. Was 57 down, musician who declined to offer to score Titanic, and the answer was Enya, but someone wrote here, Sticks. (laughs) (laughs) Who was that? I'm just trying to imagine <laughs> sticks doing Titanic. <laughs> it's like beep, beep, boop, beep, boop. Well, right. No, I know exactly. that's not sticks. So but that's, they have like that electronic, like, pop. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And I so, like sticks. Okay, so. But <laughs> who wrote sticks? Well, that's my handwriting. Um, <laughs> well, okay, so we were. It was me and Carla, your boss. We were doing the crossword together because you abandoned me in Canada for 800 years. And so we only had the Y in. And for the life of us, could not, like, conceptualize any other musician that had a Y in their name in that spot. Yeah. (laughs) Of course it's Enya. But, like, and after we did this crossword, we listened to Enya. And it's like, no, of course they would have asked her. It's, like, a very similar vibe. But um, that was the only (laughs) four-letter musician I could think of that had a Y there. And... (laughs) Carla looked at me like I had four heads, which you just did too, so. Oh, um, yeah, so that's my only, that's more of a <laughs> shit for you, but yeah. that made me laugh. Yeah, um, so 
yeah, my only shit this week was that Grace was in Canada for 800 years. Um, that was a hit for me. Yeah, good for you. Um, basically, I the this week was a blur for me. I kind of just did the crosswords as like a means. She was really upset. I was. As a means to an end. I didn't have anybody to talk to at lunch, so I was just doing them to do them. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe? You have other friends in the <laughs> Don't feel bad for her, okay? I do. Um, although I did really enjoy um, Natan last did a, in, like a, one of those video interviews. Is it interviews. Natan or is it Nathan? It's Natan. Oh. Yeah. Um, and he did an interview with The New Yorker and one of those video interviews. You should watch it. It's really fun and cute. And Oh, yeah. I saw that you had posted about it on Twitter. Yeah. It's good. Cool. So that's a, that's a, that's a hit. Um, and I really liked their Friday crossword. I think a lot of people did. I crushed it without you. Well, way. congratulations. Thank you. Guess you don't need me anymore. I don't need you. Never did. All right. Let's do the coin flip. See who goes first. Let's do it. And I'm flipping now. <laughs> this is so anticlimactic because we just watch. Oh, heads, that's you. Oh, my God. You go first. I guess. This Thank is... God. <laughs> All right. Okay. So. <laughs> well, I know you're excited <laughs> to do this. I've been really, really excited. No, I think you're really going to like this one, too. So my topic this week is micronations, okay? Oh. And this also comes from Will Nettiger's, like, his indie puzzles Mm -hmm. um, at Bewilderingly Puzzles. Oh, now you're just sucking up. Well, no, I'm really not. I just downloaded the first one on this blog at the day just to, like, do it, just to be like, who is this guy? Hashtag we love you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag I'm in love with you. Um, And so... I really loved his clue about micronations. It was 49 across from his Monday crossword on the 17th um, of June. The clue is unrecognized micronation that claims a tiny platform off the English coast. I was like, what the WF, you know, WTF. (laughs) What the WF, yeah, for real. (laughs) Um, And the answer is Sealand. Um, And I'd never heard of this micronation. I wasn't even familiar. I mean, I'm familiar with the term micronation, but I didn't know what it was. So I was like, this is... This is is. great. So what are micronations? Um, Micronations are small entities that claim to be an independent nation or sovereign state, but is not recognized as such by world governments or international organizations. Wow, rude. Right? So like these real, quote unquote, real countries don't recognize micronations. And then like the the organizations like the UN or the EU, those kinds of Real countries like the United States of America? Exactly. But, okay, so these micronations are not to be confused with microstates, imaginary countries, or other forms of social groups. So microstates are small but recognized sovereign states. This is like Andorra, Liechtenstein, Monaco, Vatican City. Okay. Um, imaginary countries, although pretty self-explanatory, <laughs> yeah, are countries made up for fictional stories. But they're also countries that people believe in without proof. Oh. So I'm talking like Narnia in the Wizarding World or El Dorado, Atlantis, um, Acadia. Wait, Atlantis isn't real? (laughs) (laughs) It is. According to Wikipedia, it is classified as an imaginary country. All right, whatever. Um, And then other social groups that are not micronations would be like eco-villages, communes, campuses, tribes, clans, sects, and residential community associations. Wait, they're not? That they're con- they're not considered as part of like international like Oh, so they are customary laws. They're not. They aren't. No. Okay. Which is interesting because like clans and tribes, we can debate that for days and days and days and it's like why are they not nations anymore? Hmm. White people. White people. <laughs> anyway, so what are characteristics of micronations? Um I don't like that they call this but like micronations activities are quote unquote 
always trivial enough to be ignored rather than challenged. Wow, and like, that's so rude. <laughs> there are some micronations that really have tried to become independent or sovereign nations. Yeah. Um, and in order to do that, you need to like own land and like have population and whatever. But like it's expensive to do all of those things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so but at the same time, they're not the type of nation that's necessarily like waging war. Yeah. You know, so I think that's what they mean by trivi- trivial enough. They're not like enacting like world policy or like yeah. trying to invade other countries. Well, that's, we should have more countries like that. <laughs> I agree, right? <laughs> They're just trying to live their life. Um, so they have a structure that's similar to sovereign states, including territorial claims, whether or not it's recognized, um, governmental institutions, official symbols, um, and citizens, although on a much smaller scale. scale. Um, and some of these nations have even issued coins, flags, post stamps, passports, medals, and other items. Wait, they have issued passports? Yes. Okay, so we're going to get into this. But these items are rarely accepted outside of their own community, and oftentimes okay. they're sold as, like, commemorative or, like, touristy-type things. I see. Um, and I'll actually be sharing a couple of these examples of these coins and passports and things on our blog so you can see pictures of them. Cool. Um, and... So a lot of these micronations are very, very tiny, and they have very, very tiny, quote-unquote, claimed populations. And I'm also saying, like, when I research this, most places put population in quotes or citizens in quotes because most of the time it's as a membership. Yeah. Because there is no – it's not like a – recognized sovereign state. And so no matter, like, the money that these quote-unquote citizens are paying, mm-hmm. whether it's taxes or buying passports or whatever, it's not, they're not actually quote-unquote citizens of anywhere but. So this one from the clue, see, see what was it? Sealand. Sealand. Yeah. But so what, do, where does, like, the UN recognize that as being, like, as part of England? Yes. So we're going to get into that. Yeah. So then do they have to pay taxes to England? Technically. But do they? I don't have that answer for you. Sealand, <gasps> okay. they actually have a Twitter. Do you pay taxes to the United, the United Kingdom? <laughs> Does that, our country does have a Twitter, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to actually get into, like, some interesting micronations. But um, so it's impossible to talk about micronations without talking about the Montevideo Convention, um, which is, like, a treaty signed in Montevideo, Uruguay in 1933 um, at the 7th International Conference of American States. So it was just... North and South America. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically, this treaty codified what it means to be considered a sovereign state. So it has like a list of things that you need to be in order for other nations to recognize you as sovereign. Um, and nations outside of the Americas didn't sign the treaty, but this is just like th- these are guidelines that are and that were and are still considered like legal norms in countries outside of the Americas. So, okay. This has kind of been what has always been the norm, and they just codified it and put it on a document, and Mm -hmm. most countries will agree with it. So in order to be considered a sovereign state, you need to have a permanent population, a defined territory, government, and the capacity to enter into relations with other states. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't seem that difficult to do. Except the capacity to enter into relation with other states. Sure. That's why, like, maybe some tribes and stuff who have... Right. Like a specific language. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I know. And I think that's probably the, the trickiest one. And this yeah. was signed in 1933. And like that's back in like these ra- the racist heydays. I'm not saying we're not racist now, but like th- they're doing this as a way to like continue to colonize people too. Yeah. So anyway, so if you're interested in more like information on like micronations, you can always head over to um, MicroWiki, which is the largest online source 
regarding micronations. Wow. Isn't um, it great that people, like, someone is upkeeping that website? I know. Yeah. People are so passionate about things. Yeah. People are so random. What am I passionate about? <laughs> Nothing. No. Yeah, I don't have a website. But after well, doing, website, after but doing all of this research, I know exactly what I'm going to do when Nicole comes to visit in July. We're going to start our own micronation. Oh. Of two people? Yeah. For sure. Okay. So, current micronation. Ma- micronations. I feel like you're just making a mockery <clears throat> of other micronations. I'm, this is interesting. <laughs> We're going to talk about this. Okay. So there are tons and tons and tons of micronations throughout the world and throughout history. So I had to like pick and choose which ones to focus on. So I picked mm-hmm. the the best, the most interesting, and the funnest. But there are actually like a ton of micronations that are very serious and like trying to become nations. Yeah. But I didn't really pick those because those are those aren't fun to talk about. They're not fun to talk about. Exactly. I mean, good luck in everything you're trying to do, but yeah. we're not talking about. Yeah. <laughs> if you have your, if our listeners have their favorite micronation that I've been talking about, please write to us. I would love to learn more about them. You know, everyone has their favorite micronation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of micronations form out of protest for something, whether it's like disputed borders, environmental protection, border checkpoints, gay rights. There's one that uh, started as a protest to the building of an aluminum smelter in nearby land, like all those kinds of like serious things. Mm -hmm. Um, But some are just formed because like just because. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get into that. We're going to start with Sealand because that was the clue. Mm-hmm. Um, Sealand occupies territory inside the United Kingdom, um, also known as the Principality of Sealand, commonly just known as Sealand. Um, uh, how do you spell it? C S E A Land L A N D Sealand. Okay. I believe that's how you would pronounce it. Sealand. Okay, so it is a micronation that claims Ruff's Tower, which is an offshore platform in the North Sea, approximately seven mi- seven and a half miles off the coast of Suffolk. So it's just like a fucking like tower. Yeah, but like in the ocean. Yeah, you know, um, it's a disused sea fort, originally called HM Fort Ruff's, built as an anti-aircraft gun platform by the British during World War II. Mm-hmm. So in 67, the fort was occupied by Major Patty Roy Bates. I don't know how it, like, was occupied by this guy or how it was previously occupied. Like, I'm not sure what happened between World War II and then. But yeah. in 67, Major Patty Roy Bates was a British subject and a pirate radio broadcaster. He <laughs> Man, that's a cool job. He ejected a competing group of pirate broadcasters from the platform um, anybody ever seen the film Pirate Radio? Have you seen it? No. Do you know what pirate radios are? No. Okay. Pirate radio is really cool. It's when nations have like really strict like broadcasting rules. Like during the sixties, the United Kingdom had very strict things of what you could and couldn't put on the radio. Uh, I thought we were talking about actual pirates. <laughs> they basically are. So they all get they get like ships or they get onto these platforms and they go out into like the waters in between, like, the channels and whatever, and they can, like, broadcast radio from there because that the jurisdiction of the laws doesn't reach them or something. Yeah. I'm totally butchering this, but that's kind of generally, like, the deal. And pirate radio is about that, about these, like, young kids who get on a boat and, like, they broadcast rock music. And I'm, I'm thinking pirates, like, swashbuckling, oh. like, that type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they had their own radio. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this guy Bates ejected another group of pirate broadcasters from this... Platform, um, and he intended to use it to broadcast his own pirate radio station called Radio Essex, but he never began broadcasting. Um, and instead of broadcasting, Bates declared the independence of Ruff's Tower and deemed it the Principality of Sealand. I mean, this guy must have had like a serious freaking ego. Wait, so is it just a tower on an island? It's not an island. It's like you know, like an aircraft carrier. Yeah. In the middle of the ocean, it's like that. Oh, so but it's, it's just not. Like, a sh- it's not a ship. It's like it's connected to the ground. Yeah. But how 
Okay, but it's like it's not just a tower sticking out of the water. No, it has like a okay. landing platform or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So you just move there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> when he... you really hate people. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so he introduced a constitution in 1975, followed by a national flag, a national currency, passports, and a national anthem, which I'm going to play for you here. Wow, that was beautiful. <laughs> Hope y'all enjoyed that. That is the national anthem. I can't of believe Zealand. some guy just wrote a national anthem. It's cuckoo. Yeah, but I mean, it's not really like if you if they really want this to be like a nation, that's what it will eventually have, right? I guess. All right. So anyway, what happened so with this in seventy eight, um, Alexander Ackenbach, who was then the prime minister of Zealand, he <laughs> he Ackenbach and Bates disagreed over plans to turn Sealand into a luxury hotel and casino with fellow bis- like German and Dutch businessmen. Uh-huh. Ackenbach did not want to do this, and Bates wanted to do this. So because Ackenbach disagreed, he hired several German and Dutch mercenaries to lead an attack on Sealand while Bates and his wife were in England, okay? Wow, so they have gone to war. Yeah. Um, they stormed the platform with speedboats, jet skis, helicopters, and took Bates's son, Michael, hostage. Oh, my God. It's truly like, where's the movie yeah. of this? Am I right? Um, and Michael, the son of Bates, was able to retake Sealand and capture Ackenbach um, and the mercenaries using weapons stashed on the platform. Wow. Just one guy against them. How many people are living on this thing? I don't actually know. Yeah. This seems weird. I mean, I do want to watch a movie about it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Ackenbach was charged with treason against Sealand and was held unless he paid 75,000 Deutschmarks, more than $35,000. Deutschmarks? Yeah, the mark. Um, and so then Germany, which Ackenbach was from Germany, they had to send a diplomat from London to Sealand and be like, hey, can you please release him? Like, <laughs> hello? You're, you, he's a hostage now. Can you send the helicopter and jet skis home and just yeah, right? <laughs> play nice on your um, island? Anyway, so Bates ended up relenting after several weeks of negotiation um, and subsequently claimed, and I like this, that the diplomats' visit constituted de facto recognition of Sealand by Germany, which we talked about, you know, whether or not they have relations with other yeah. states, right? Anyway, so the Pirate Bay tried to buy Sealand in 20, 2007. The Pirate Bay is um, like a torrent site. And yeah. they were originally based in Sweden. And like the the 
the copyright laws were like getting crazy, it's so like they, they needed were this. Move yeah. To, oh my gosh. And so Sealand was offered between 2007 and 2010 was offered at sale price of 75 million euros. Oh yeah, I just find some other random tower to. Oh no, seven <laughs> seven hundred and fifty million euros. Excuse me. Please tell me they sold it. They did not. What? I yeah. I I don't think anybody wanted to buy it. Well, Pirate Bay did. Probably not for that much. Oh. Oh, that's what they were listing it as. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. Then. yeah. Okay. Um, so it's currently still not described, or I mean, currently still not recognized as like any sovereign state between United Kingdom or Germany, whatever. But it they call themselves the world's smallest country. Uh, anyway, so Bates ended up moving to the mainland, like England, um, when he became elderly, and he named Michael his regent which is just cuckoo bananas. Um, and then Bates died in 2012. And Michael, his son, ends up just like living in Suffolk with his son and family. And they run a fishing business called Fruits of the Sea. So that's So that. who's watching? I don't actually know now. Sealand. I, it's still a country. It's open yeah. if anyone wants to go. Yeah, get your jet skis, folks. <laughs> get your helicopters. <laughs> um, okay, so that's Sealand. I'm going to talk about Asgardia. Okay. Which claims territory in space. Um, Asgardia is also known as the Space Kingdom of Asgardia and Asgardia, the Space Nation. It was formed by a group of people who launched a satellite into Earth's orbit. Nerds. And they refer to themselves as Asgardians. Truly, like, this one is the nerdiest fucking shit I've... Are they, like, people who work for NASA? I mean, obviously... They don't work for NASA, but they work for, like, another aeronautics, like, whatever. You can't just, like... Well, I don't know, but I imagine you can't just send a satellite (laughs) out into space. Unless you're Tokyo 2020 Olympic... uh, Right. Opening ceremony designers. Yeah. Um, So they refer to themselves as Guardians, and they've named their satellite as Guardia 1, and they launched it in 2017. Um, And they've declared sovereignty over the space occupied and contained within Asgardia 1. So they don't claim all of space. No, that'd be crazy. Okay, yeah. Well, you just freaking wait, my dude. I know. We're laughing now, but in like 50 years, we're all moving out there. They're going to be like the richest people. Yeah, no. Well, that's the whole thing. They have a constitution, uh, and they intend to access outer space, outer space free of control of the existing nations and established a permanent settlement on the moon by 2043. So they have goals. Wow. Wow. So this is, like, one of those, like, we're, like, giggling about it. But, like Grace said, like, we may eventually have to evacuate this demon hellhole that is Earth mm-hmm. and go out into space. And Asgardia 1 is our one true hope, our OTH. Yeah. You know? Who knows? Who knows? Um, so it was founded by this guy, Igor Asherbly, who was the founder of the Aerospace International Research Center, since renamed Asgardia International Research <laughs> Center. Um, and they he proposed the establishment, establishment of Asgardia in 2016. And this by 2017, they had a constitution. Um, and their administrative assist, like center is in Vienna, if you're curious. If anybody oh. lives in Vienna, go out and visit it. Do they have an anthem? <laughs> I don't think they have an anthem yet. Not yet. Um, and they claim... They could have sticks to write it. <laughs> yeah, right? They claim to be the first nation to have all of its territory in space, which I guess is true. Okay. Um, legal scholars are, like, still, like, questioning whether or not Asgardia One is a sovereign state. Um, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. We'll see in 2043. And if I had had the time, because I had had to, like, really whittle this down, I would have talked about another space micronation named Celestia, founded by James Thomas Magnin. Ooh, I like that name better. Or Mangan. Um, I'm not going to talk about it, 
but he did claim all of space on behalf of humankind. So thanks, James. But like, what a dick. Um, I am going to talk about his kids, which he called his heirs. So his descendants include his son, James C. Mangan, who is deceased. Um, His daughter, Ruth Mangan Stump, princess of the nation of celestial space. And three nice. grandsons, Glenn Stump, Duke of Mars, Dean Stump, Duke of Selenia, and Todd Stump, Duke of the Milky Way. Ooh. Duke well. of Uranus. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> this is goofy. Yeah. Um, okay. So Atlantium in Australia is a – this is one of those governmental micronations they formed for, like, political reasons. Yeah. Um, sort of. these Atlantium is what it's called? Atlantium. And they claim territory in Australia, or they did. Um, is a micronation and secular pluralist progressive lobby group based in New South Wales, Australia, and was established in 1981 by three Sydney teenagers. <laughs> George Francis Crookshank, Jeffrey John Duggan, and Claire Marie Coutier-Nee-Duggan. Um, and they claimed 10 square meters or 100 square feet of provincial territory in the southern <laughs> suburb of Narwi. Which was bored suburban kids. Right? Yeah. Um, And, like, they became, like, they had prime ministers and whatever. How did this became well known enough to be, like, on the internet? Yeah. So I think that they were, like, involved in, like, politics in, like, the local area and in Mm -hmm. Australia. The Lonely Planet Guide even wrote about them. Um, It said that the nation of Atlantium was a refreshing anecdote to the reactionary self-aggrandizement of so many micronations and an extremely sophisticated nation-state experiment as well as an entirely serious claimant to legitimate statehood. Hmm. They had progressive liberal policies and characterizes itself as a secular humanist utopia. Nice. So some of the things that they supported were the right of unrestricted international freedom of movement, the right to abortion, the right to assisted suicide, and decimal calendar reform. It had almost 3,000 quote-unquote citizens, most of whom signed up online from over 100 countries, from over 100 other countries. Interesting. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Um, Lovely is, was a micronation established in the United Kingdom called the Kingdom of Lovely. And it was founded in 2004 by comedian Danny Wallace as part of a BBC series called How to Start Your Own Country. Uh-huh. So this was, like, one of those, like, tongue-in-cheek things that they did. Classic BBC. Yeah, so Danny Wallace, like, started this, and he claimed his flat where he lived as the Kingdom of Lovely. Yeah. And he encouraged members who joined or became citizens through an online subscription mm-hmm. platform to establish embassies in their own homes, like... Their private homes, you could, yeah. and they would be like embassies of lovely in like That's all different parts of the world, right? Um, I thought this was fun. Like they tried to buy a private Ire- a private island in Ireland <laughs> using Lovely's currency, which is called the independent, the interdependent occupational unit, or the IOU. Um, and they tried to use that as like a basis for sale, and the private owner of this island rejected the currency. <laughs> you don't say. And as a result, Wallace was so grumpy that he tried to start his nation by invading Eel Pie Island in London, which didn't actually happen. He was like him and like his buddy who was a security guard. <laughs> invading. Yeah, exactly. And at its peak, they had almost 60,000 citizens. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, and the website was citizensrequired.com, and the site is no longer active, but he did a good deed, I guess. Yeah, lovely. This is a fun one. I love this one. You're not going to like it. The Rome, but it is kind of scary too at the same time. So the Roman, the Romanov Empire 
is like um, a micronation formed by this businessman, Anton Bakov, and he is he founded it in 2011 as a way to recreate the Russian monarchy, which ceased, ceased to exist since 1917 with the Russian Revolution. Yeah. Um, and this nation, which is the Romanov Empire, a.k.a. the Imperial Throne, formerly known as the Russian Empire, um, stakes its claim to unpopulated territory that belonged to the historical Russian Empire through right of discovery, but which is not claimed by the Soviet Union after the 19, 1917. So basically they want all their territory back. Mm-hmm. which is kind of scary to me. Um, so this guy, Anton Bakov, he's like a, he's an author, a, a businessman, and a political leader for the Russian Monarchist Party. Yeah. Um, and he, Anton wants the gov- like this nation to be led by th- what Wikipedia called was the Romanov Pretender, mm-hmm. um, Prince Earl Emich of Leningen, um, as Emperor Nicholas III with Bakov serving as arch-chancellor. So Karl Emich was, like, born, a what was he, a Lutheran? And he had to convert to Eastern Orthodox Christianity mm-hmm. um, in order to fulfill, like, the, the ascension rites set in 1906. So, like, by the, the czars of, like, 1906. Yeah. And so he, like, converted. Anyway, so they're, like, bringing back tons of different, like, articles and laws and things like that. They want... This guy actually has tried to buy land in multiple other nations. Um, he tried to buy land in Kiribati and o- in Oceania, which is like a small island out there. Yeah. Or land in Republic of the Gambia of West Africa. Wait, but he's Russian? Mm-hmm. And he's up to no good. I don't trust him. Up to no good. Um, yep. And he, like I said, he's been in talks with many nations since 2017. Other nations he's in talks with to buy, like, land from. Montenegro, Macedonia, Albania, the Gambia, Antigua, and Barbuda, and Kiribati. Barbuda. Barbuda, yeah. Right? Is that how you say Barbuda? Yeah, I guess. Um, Anyway, so that's kind of scary. Nicole and I were talking last night. Nicole's a listener of ours and also a friend. (laughs) We were talking about starting our own micronation in July, but then we were like, screw it. Let's join the Romanov Empire. No. Right? Right? And then stage a second revolution. But then we so go to Russia. Well, no. We would go to the Gambia, like uh, the, whatever country they buy. Oh, so you have to wait to see which one they buy. Exactly. Yeah. But we'll go there. We'll join, infiltrate, stage the second friggin' rev- Russian revolution. I'll be the next Lenin. All right. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So... There are also online communities are considered potentially micronations. Like MySpace.com. No, more like RuneScape, World of oh, Warcraft, Minecraft. or like MMORPGs. Yeah. Because they have their own place in the web. Second life. And they have their own like rules societies, and societies yeah. and like norms and things like that, which is I've interesting. I've never gotten into those games, except for Sims, but I don't think that counts because you don't play with other people. Right. It's not live. But my brother really loved RuneScape when he was young mm-hmm. and like people do crazy things and like steal your money and like trick you into, and like it really does have this you know it's a whole other world it's a whole other world anyway so that's another one there are two more I need to talk about All one right. is fun it's founded on April Fool's Day 1973 it's called Newtopia and it was founded by John Lennon and Yoko Ono oh so John Lennon was having trouble with his immigration paperwork or whatever and so they founded this as like a sort of protest to be like to like get him out of like the struggles of him getting 
well, that's permanent residency crazy in the U.S. to think that he couldn't get permanent residency in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> well, who knows um, why? I don't actually know why. Um, so there's no leadership, and not all citizenships have been recorded. And as a result, the population is unknown. I don't even know if it's still around. But, yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. Um, this one I was really excited to tell you about. <laughs> so there's a place called – this place does not exist anymore um, – other World Kingdom, and it was founded in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a large commercial BDSM and femdom facility and what? resort, <laughs> which opened in 1996 using buildings and grounds of like a 16th century chateau. Oh. Um, and although it was not recognized by any other country, it maintained its own currency, passports, police force, courts, state flag, and state hymn. I could not find the damn hymn, but I tried. I feel like the police force would be wearing like tiny leather shorts. Yes. like <laughs> And like just a like leather overalls, yeah, no yeah. shirt. Um, so OWK, as it styled itself, was a matriarchy where women rule yeah. um, and had a strong BDSM and female dominance themes. And the state's goal was to get as many male creatures under the unlimited rule of the superior women on as much territory as possible. <laughs> so the OWK always said, like, we are a sovereign state. It was, however, a, pro- a private for-profit enterprise with no connection to or sanctioned by any recognized sovereign state. <laughs> so it's not real, guys. But, Should be. Um, it was, it's always ruled by a queen. The first queen was Queen Patricia I. She was an absolute monarch. Below the queen was a series of different classes, the sublime ladies, lady citizens, um, and they formed the kingdom's nobility. And to become a citizen, women had to fulfill certain criteria. These were they had to be the age of consent. Thank you. Ownership of at least one male slave, obeying the <laughs> principles and laws of the OWK, sending an application for citizenship, and spending at least five nights in the area of the Queen's Palace. Oh. Okay. It doesn't seem like it's that hard to join. Have to find a slave. Right? Yeah. Okay. And so then- I mean that in like, a, you know, a male slave. Sorry. I just <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to take that a out be- of No, a be- this is, we're talking <laughs> yeah. in the BDSM con- context, context, which yeah. is like all- Consensual. All consensual. All partners are consenting into this lifestyle. Anyway, so the next class of the queen subjects are men. Um, and so the, like, they're called subjects, and they're men who followed OWK law, obey the queen, and pay her taxes, but have some rights, <laughs> such some rights such as freedom to travel, own property, and deal with such property, have children, change employment, enterprise, and state his opinion. Wow. Okay. The lowest class was slave. This was a male class who had forfeited all his rights, were property of the queen or the sublime ladies, and were considered to be, quote, on the level of a normal farm animal. Oh, my. People are into that. They really are. It's usually, I, I, in my, this is going to sound so sketchy, but I do (laughs) watch a lot of documentaries about this because I find it so interesting, but. There is actually a documentary about this. You can find it on Vimeo. Well, in my research, a lot of these guys who like to be dominated are, a lot of them happen to be like really high up people in the real world, like CEOs and stuff. And Mm -hmm. they're just always in control that they like get off on finally not being in control and like being told what to do. That's so, so interesting. Yeah. It happens a lot. So if you're interested in being, like, a woman dom, go to, like, all the fancy bars and find yourself a CEO. Yeah. Well, you'd probably go to just a dungeon. It's, yeah, of course. And then, but. yeah. It, like, on at first thought, that seems like an easy job, but it's really not. No. Like, yeah, I could never do it. No. It would be fun to be really mean to people, though. But <laughs> I just... It, to get paid to all, do it, too, People yeah. are into, like, really gross 
stuff. Yeah. And I just would have to, like, I'll just be mean to someone for money. There are, for there's probably, yeah, there's probably someone out there that would pay you to be mean to them. It starts like that, but then it, they always want more. They it's do. never that easy. Yeah. <laughs> this, this sounds like I'm talking from experience, but this is just <laughs> for my research. She just researches, folks. I don't own any leather pants. <laughs> Um, well, that's all I have for micronations. I thought that was a really fun, interesting yeah. thing. And I, I truly, it was just, like, a handful of micronations and just, like, the funnest ones I could find. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't talk about any of the serious ones that yeah. are struggling to get yeah. any type of recognition. Yeah. Sorry, not today. <laughs> Keep struggling. Um, okay. So I think this is from the Monday New York Times. Um, by Robin Weintraub. Oh, no, that's Friday. Friday. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the questions was 21 down, blank reflex, infants, instinctual spreading of the arms. Okay, this was a really difficult one. I did this with Carla on Friday, this crossword, and she knows tons of stuff about, she's like the baby whisperer, yeah. as everybody knows, and she was struggling with this one. Yeah, well, it's called the Moro reflex, mm-hmm. M-O-R-O, um, and it's the instinctual spreading of the arms. So I did some research on... Other newborn reflexes, because babies have a bunch. They're so (laughs) weird. And then I did some, like, adult reflexes. Cool. Um, Okay. So a reflex is an automatic response to a stimulus. So it's, like, subconscious. Yeah. You don't realize that you're doing it. Um, It's made possible by neuropathways called reflex arcs. And, yeah, they act on impulses. Um, so newborns have a bunch and they're kind of, the reflexes are used to make sure the nervous system and stuff is working Mm -hmm. correctly. They could be a sign, could be nothing, could also be a sign that like something might not be right. Yeah. So these are some popular newborn reflexes. Um, we'll start with the Moro reflex. So it's often called the startle reflex because it occurs when a baby is startled by Mm -hmm. loud sound or movement. And, um, the reflex is that the baby throws back their head and extends their arms out, arms and legs out, cries, and then pulls the arms and legs back in. So I've definitely seen a baby do that. And sometimes Mm -hmm. they like scare themselves by crying or whatever because they're so... Babies. They're so cute. Um, this lasts for five to six months. Okay. What what time does it start? Like when they're born. Okay. Yeah. Which I definitely seen babies do that. Like put their arms out and then like squeeze them in really tight. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it's good news that the babies do that. Yeah. Well, they also do that. If they think they're like falling. Like if you go like whoop, like whoosh, oh. and which is a thing to do to calm a baby down. Sometimes it's crying. Mm-hmm. Like scare it into not crying. <laughs> I don't know. Babies are weird. Babies are so. <laughs> they're so random. Okay. Root reflex. Um, This is a reflex when you touch the corner of a baby's mouth, the baby will turn his or her head towards, um, like, that corner and start to open their mouth um, in the direction of the stroking. So, obviously, this helps the baby eventually, like, breastfeed out of a bottle. And then the suck reflex, if you touch the top of a baby's, the roof of a baby's mouth, they start to suck. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's how they know what to do. Same with, like, think of animals. Well, we are animals. Yeah. (laughs) Wake up, people. (laughs) Sheeple. You sheeple. (laughs) Um, Okay, but so this reflex doesn't begin until the 32nd week of pregnancy, so it's happening, like, in utero, but that's why some babies who are premature don't have this reflex. Oh. Um, So they need to, like, work on that, I don't know, or wait until they do before they discharge them. Um, and then they also have a hand-to-mouth reflex. That's why they're always putting their hands in their mouth. That's like starting the root and the uh, suck reflex. 
That's, that's all babies care about is eating. Yeah, so all really. their reflexes are like how Isn't to eat. Isn't that what we all care about? That's all I care about. I like wake up at, you know, 6.45 in the morning and the first thing I think of is like, What's what am I going to eat for breakfast? And then as I'm eating breakfast, I'm like, what am I going to eat for snack? And then as, as I'm eating snack, I'm already thinking about lunch. And at lunch, I'm thinking, you know, I, but maybe because I just really love food. I don't think that way because I like to live in the present. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay. So the tonic neck reflex. Okay. Can you guess what this is? It's something about necks. Gin and tonics, yeah. Oh, gin and tonics, no. yeah. Uh, so when a baby's head is turned to the side, the arm that the head is facing, like, sticks straight out, and then the other arm bends at the elbow, and it looks like a fencing pose. Okay. I feel like you see babies sleeping like that a yeah. lot. Yeah, yep. Um, so that lasts six or seven months. But what does that t- teach them? Um, I don't know what it teaches them. It's just a thing that they do? Yeah. Babies, do. man. I know. They're weird. Um, the grasp reflex is if you stroke the inside of a baby's uh palm they will like close their oh my fingers god that's my yeah that definitely works the babinski idiots <laughs> <laughs> the babinski reflex which sounded cute but that's just the guy's last name who oh. discovered it the guy the neurologist <laughs> right but like i mean really can we name anything yeah, else babinski um anyway so that's when you stroke the uh, sole of the foot firmly the big toe bends backwards and then the oh other my toes god, fan out yes i love that one too it's important for your toes to fan out people we've talked about toes before on this podcast have i talked about my toes we did talk about toe stretching Spacing. I? I feel yeah. like I haven't. I, I haven't mentioned. talked about it enough. <laughs> if you're not stretching your toes, you stretch them. You stretch your toes. Baby's toes stretch because that's how our toes should be. Yeah. Um, the, According to Babinski. <laughs> yeah. Babinski would agree. Uh, the step reflex this is also called the walking or dance reflex. That's when you hold a baby upright and their feet are touching the ground. They start to kind of like step around, oh, even though they don't know how to walk. Babies yeah. are so cute. You think babies are cute because you haven't spent enough time with them. No, I, I just want to I want to continue to spend as much time as I've been spending with babies as I have been yeah. now. So I'll conti- I, li- I would like to get, continue to think that they are cute. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. Babies are fine. I just. <laughs> <laughs> she says your eyes bugged out of her head when she said that. No, there's a lot. Yeah. Um, OK, so then these are some adult reflexes. This one you might know. <laughs> oh, why? Is it weird? <laughs> the pharyngeal reflex. OK. Is the gag reflex. And according to one study, one in three people don't have a gag reflex. I'm not one of those people. Do you have a gag reflex? Yeah, I think. Yeah. So the next person who walks into this room doesn't. <gasps> I have this weird thing that I looked up online and other people have it too. That if I put like cloth on my tongue, like if I'm like doing laundry and I or I'm like carrying a towel in my mouth because my hands are full or like. In camp, we used to play. You know, this chewing game. cloth as she is wont to do. No, in camp, we used to play this game where it was like a carnival game where you unwrapped a paper napkin and you put like the tip on your tongue, and then whoever can like eat the whole thing for or like put the whole thing in their mouth first, you can't use your hands. Anyways, we needed. What would you to, do? Well, you would like put it on the tip of your tongue. No, no, no you said oh. that you had like when you. That do would this. always like that makes me gag for some reason. Like cloth on like the texture of any cloth on my tongue makes me like. So don't do that anymore. I don't do it, but I'm saying. Then why that, are you walking around with towels in your mouth when your hands are full, huh? I have to do it, but I have to, like, do it between my lips. It's just, it's specifically the tongue. Mm-hmm. So if you also have that, please review our podcast and let me know. I feel that way with velvet. Yeah, some people are weird about mm-hmm. about uh, textures. But, yeah, so the gag reflex is basically so you don't choke. Cool. <laughs> the Wikipedia page on it was, like, <laughs> it was not trying to be sexual, but it was just, like, when you have large things in your mouth or, like, touching the back <laughs> of your throat, I was like, okay. Uh, um, moving right along. We got it. Message received. Yeah. Um, the glabular reflex. What glabular. Kind of ta- I'm 
think that's also a person, maybe. Um, or also the glabular tap sign. And that's a reflex that's elicited by repetitive tapping on the forehead, and it makes you blink in response to the first couple taps. No, duh. <laughs> she blinked. <Yeah>. She blinked. <laughs> but if you, so like you do it, you blink at first, but if you keep blinking, then that's a Meyerson sign, and that could be a um, sign that you have Parkinson's disease. Do it. You don't have Parkinson's disease. Okay, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I like how it's like, yeah, if someone taps on your forehead, you blink, obviously. But you do kind of stop blinking after a yeah, while. Yeah, you do. Um, I'm going to keep doing this to myself in the mirror. And yeah, now now I've, like, given you a complex. You can't. I have Parkinson's disease. Um, okay, the jaw jerk reflex, also known as the masseter reflex, um, is when you tap the, you know, like, the chin right below the lower lip. Um, with your, if your mouth is like slightly open and relaxed and you tap it there, usually like nothing happens. Um, you might have like a slight reflex for the jaw to go up, but if the jaw um, like shoots up or like really twitches, then that can show that you have an upper motor neuron lesion. So check your, everyone tap. Okay, I'm good. We're good. Gucci. Hope y'all are good too. <laughs> But if not, I'm sure you're Contact fine. your, yeah. your <laughs> GP. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, the diving reflex, also known as diving response and mammalian diving reflex. Is, is that like when you stand on the train platform and you're like, I could just no, jump? No, <laughs> that's your own issue. <laughs> is um, I don't actually have that reflex, but I think a lot of people have that, like that. Yeah, that's not a reflex, but when you think of like, what's the weird, like the worst possible thing I could do right now? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what that's called. Like when you're like, what if I just like took off all my clothes and danced on the tables at a restaurant? Right, exactly. Um, that's just called good imagination. <laughs> um, so the diving reflex is a set of physiological responses to immersion that overrides your basic reflexes and it helps you like conserve your breath and stuff underwater. So it's found in all air breathing vertebrates. Um, and it's, it basically, your respiratory system distributes oxygen stores to the heart and brain, and it allows you to be underwater for a longer period of time. So obviously, like aquatic mammals, such as seals, otters, dolphins, and muskrats, who I didn't know were considered aquatic animals, but I guess they are. They live in the wetlands. Um, they have a really strong diving reflex. So do we? Yeah. So adult humans do have it. Um, so do diving birds like ducks and pigeons and babies up to six months old have it. That's why babies can like do swimming classes when they're really little because they kind of their body like will automatically allow them to hold their breath and stuff underwater. Wow. Yeah. But then after once they're over six months then it's not until like you're an adult. You're fucked. Yeah. Um, Okay. <laughs> the startle reflex. Didn't which, we just talk about the startle? Yeah, but it's for adults. Great. So this is something that you have anytime someone walks into your office. Um, <gasps> oh, yeah. yeah. So the startle reflex protects vulnerable parts of your body, like the back of your neck and your eyes. So basically you like kind of you, you face whatever startled you and, and you could blink a lot. Um, and it's found across the lifespan of many species. And an individual's emotional state may lead to a variety of responses. <laughs> So if you're, like, super on edge, you can have a oh. response. <laughs> I love how she brings yeah. it up and she's practically laughing the entire time she's reading her notes because every single time anybody walks into my office, whether it's swiftly, quietly, or if they make themselves known from, like, far away, I will literally leap out of my chair. Yeah. Well, ex unless I'm wearing my loud shoes. But yeah, and then I can hear her coming. coming. I know. Um, <sighs> okay. But this is also used to, like, diagnose specific phobias. So, like, you could see if people really do have the startle reflex to, like, 
whatever clowns or whatever people are scared of, hmm. tryptophobia. Hmm. And you can be like, yeah, you do have that because your body is like involuntarily responding to hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, the withdrawal reflex, a.k.a. nociceptive flexion reflex or flexor withdrawal reflex, is a spinal reflex that protects you from like damaging things. So, example, you touch a hot stove, you automatically like go back. Hmm. So the body's so smart. Oh, my it's God. keeping you safe. Yeah. It doesn't want you to hurt, guys. Um, this is the parent- Listen to your body. <laughs> Listen to your body. Well, you have no choice. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen. Reflex. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> right. <laughs> the perennial reflex, a.k.a. the anocutaneous reflex, Can't a.k.a. Have, what? the anal wink. Can't we just have one or- name? like This one? does. Anal wink is the casual name for it. Okay. Thank God you put this one in. Yeah. Uh, I just like the way they worded it. Reflexive contraction of the external anal sphincter upon stroking of the skin around the anus. Nice. So your b-hole. But But why? Just because? Just because. That's like a test to see that, you know, everything's (laughs) working well down there. But also, I feel like people clench their butthole when, like, they see something gross. No. Just me. Um, Okay. (laughs) I mean, I've never paid attention, so I'll let you know. Well, now you know. Now you if won't be you able to If you clench stop your butthole about- when something weird happens, let us know. Okay, this is the last one. Um, the cramisteric reflex is okay. a superficial reflex, which means it's close to the skin surface, and it only occurs in human males. Um, so basically, <gasps> y'all like, weirdos. If you lightly stroke or poke the upper inner part of the thigh. It says it doesn't matter which direction you stroke. Um, The normal response is an immediate contraction of the cremister muscle that will pull up the testes on whichever side you're stroking. So. (gasps) Try it out. Yeah. So if you have testes and you're listening to this podcast, let us know and please leave us a review. (laughs) (laughs) We want to hear. Let us know about your uh, cremisteric reflex. Yes. That'd be great. Those are all my reflexes. I liked your reflexes, kid. Got quick reflexes. Boom, down deli. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a ton of, like, eye reflexes, but I didn't get into that because there were all these, like, scientific eye names. But basically, then the way that your eye works is all, like, reflexive, involuntary, which makes sense. So I, I'm looking at you, but I don't actually want to be looking at you because yeah. my eyes reflexively just want to be drawn to you. Exactly. <gasps> um, I just realized we didn't introduce ourselves at the top. We did it. We can do it now. Should we do it now and then they can put it at the top? No. Okay. Well, we'll do it now. I'm Grace. And I'm Chelsea. And we are the Good Evening Girls. The Good Evening Girls. This has been Two Girls, One Crossword. Yep. Please like and rate us and review us and subscribe to us. It really, really, really helps us. And it makes us feel better about ourselves, actually. Well, I feel fine already, but... I've had a stressful week. (laughs) Um, No, it does. It helps us because it can put us on new and noteworthy. Yes. So if you like us, then help us out and also follow us on Twitter. We're the Good Eve Girls on Twitter and the Good Evening Girls on Instagram. Yeah, give us a give us a check out, and then please follow my personal Twitter because I have. Well, <laughs> this is not your platform to get new followers. <laughs> I have fourteen followers. She did double in a week. Though. I, I doubled though. I used to have seven. She so doubled, I've baby. Increased by two hundred percent. But yeah, so that's it. That's it. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll be back again later this week with another episode. Can you no, believe? No, we'll be back next Monday. Oh shit! Yeah, just kidding. Don't. She's a liar. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.